Welcome into Petty Page and the Cold Taker. I'm Paige Domakos, the host here with Fred Siegel and a special guest today, the host of the Big Three that is a Twitter enthusiast. He's part of NBA Twitter. That's Oliver Maroney. Oliver, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How are you guys? Uh, no complaints. I, I've been in L.A. for a week, so, you know, living the uh, living the L.A. lifestyle was, was fun, but it was time to come home. The L.A. lifestyle, always, always interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I saw your pictures with Vic and some other popular names and people, the Gatorade Sports Awards and then the ESPYs and whatnot. Uh, cool stuff. And, yeah, the L.A. lifestyle. You can't really replicate it anywhere else, can you? No, you can't. And that is a perfect segue into LeBron James and the L.A. lifestyle. So, Wait, we'll you went to the ESPYs page? Uh, I went to part of the ESPYs and then I dipped out. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the most overrated event in sports history. <laughs> I don't even watch it. I can't watch awards. It no. is it is the single most overrated thing in sports. Uh, <laughs> it used literally sweat your ass off for four hours sitting outside on the red carpet to try and talk to people. Uh, yeah, without turning this podcast into an anti ESPN podcast, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, tur- let's talk about LeBron James and the, uh, LA lifestyle. So Oliver, I want your perspective on this. Obviously there was, it almost seemed like there was too much smoke, um, about him going to LA that it felt like it was not going to happen. And then obviously the inevitable happens and LeBron James is in a Laker uniform, uh, I saw him, obviously, at Summer League. I saw him, the, the pictures of him in Lakers stuff. It still seems strange to me. Uh, it's a little bizarre to think of him in that uniform that I associate so strongly with Kobe Bryant. But I want your perspective. What did you think? Did you think it was going to happen? Were you surprised by the move at all? And, and do you think it makes sense for LeBron James and his legacy? Uh, I wasn't surprised by the move because we'd heard about it for months on end. And last summer, like at Summer League, people were talking about it as if it was basically done. And, you know, yes, uh, things can change. Yes, paths can change. But it just felt like the Cavaliers season this past season was just nothing short of disastrous aside from making the finals. It's it's weird that I say that because, like, any NBA city aside from Cleveland would probably be totally fine with making the NBA finals, however bad their team played or however strange the locker room may have been. Um, but for Cleveland, it just seemed like it was kind of disappointing in the, in the way that it ended, you know, getting swept by the Warriors, just looking like, I don't even know if it was the second best team. I feel like they had some really, really good breaks, uh, in the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously the Celtics just kind of shot themselves out of, uh, their chance at going to the finals. And so I, you know, it just, it felt lackluster to me. Um, just didn't feel like it was a full performance by the Cavaliers and, felt kind of like the inevitable like this is the time to for for PR purposes specifically um we've known LeBron James to kind of make mistakes in the past on how he's made decisions and how he's come back or how he's gone to Miami and you know the decision was actually a a really unique way of doing things and kind of paved the path for a lot of these players but at the same time it certainly wasn't um (laughs) certainly wasn't the I think the right move at the time, just based on what was going on. And so you look at that PR kind of perspective of it. um, He left at a time where everybody was like, yep, LeBron can't do anything. You know, it was, it was the easy out, I guess you could say. And I think for legacy purposes, LeBron's, I, I don't know if I like it that much just because 
it is kind of that, hey, this this is an easy out for him. You know what I mean? He can't for believe sure. and he ha- he has that kind of to back it up, which is great and fine. And he's probably the best basketball player that I've ever seen play. Um, but sometimes it just feels like he never actually sticks with the situation for a long enough period of time. And, um, you know, the business decisions, the basketball decisions behind a lot of this stuff uh, seem second uh, to mm-hmm. what he's doing a lot of the time. So let's just talk about like, like strictly, strictly basketball perspective, though. Like going to the Western Conference where the conference is stronger, it's going to be tougher to make it to the finals. He's going up against Golden State in Houston before he even gets there. And he's going to a team where now I'm looking at the roster. And two weeks ago, we were talking about LeBron, Kawhi, and Paul George. And now Kawhi's in Toronto, and Paul George is in Oklahoma City. And LeBron's playing with a bunch of young dudes. I'm just confused at how, from a basketball perspective, this makes sense for him. And I just I would like your input on that. Well, I think the Lakers with Magic Johnson have an allure about them now. And I think all along LeBron, you know, may have known this was coming, you know, maybe not the Kawhi situation. Cause I think that that was uh, something that was up in the air at the time. Um, and the Lakers could have gone out and got him if they really wanted to. But I, I think this young core and LeBron is better than what they had in Cleveland. Now I'm not saying it's leaps and bounds better. Uh, he also just moved to a dip, more difficult conference. So, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this actually plays out. And, you know, he signs a longer-term deal, which typically that that's unlike LeBron. So this may be a situation where he grows this team from the ground up. And by year three, they're challenging for titles. You know, uh, the hope is, and in my understanding, is the Warriors have some question marks about them in the next couple of seasons. Like, does Draymond come back? Does Klay Thompson come back? Uh, Boogie's a one-year rental. Like, they're not going to keep him after this season, I don't believe. Um, there's really no feasible way to, to have that happen. So I think that's the bigger question mark is, you know, the other teams in the Western Conference, their lifespan may be coming to an end. Now, maybe it's not. You know, we've talked about the Warriors losing players in the past, and they don't. But I think in this certain scenario, um, I think this is a long game. This, this is not a, a short, like, okay, this season – they're going to be able to compete. You know, any team with LeBron has a chance to make a finals or make a push to get to the finals. Um, but with this team as constructed, I, I don't think the expectations are sky high. I've seen some crazy NBA Twitter talk of them making the finals or, <laughs> you know, playing the Warriors to seven or six games and all this other stuff. Those are mostly Laker fans, by the way. But um, <laughs> I, I think the more realistic take is just, you know, maybe they make the second round this year and play Houston tough or whoever they face. And if that's the case, that's something to build off of. And in the NBA, I think you can't replicate playoff experience. So for these young players like Lonzo or Kuzma or whoever's around, uh, they can only get better and improve by getting to the playoffs in the postseason. So I think there's some things that need to happen, obviously, some probably trades or pickups that need to be made. But I think they're going to be – um, less like the Cavaliers and more like a team that's, you know, building for a future of some sort. Um, do you, just haven't seen with LeBron. Do you think Paul George, you know, Paul George to Oklahoma City was a bit strange 
to say the least. Do, do you think that he? Do you think the Lakers backed off of Paul George? It doesn't see it, it. It's being the narrative is being created that, or it looks as if that Paul George it chose Oklahoma City over the Lakers. But does, do you think that they kind of like in college football recruiting esque type thing just backed off the Lakers didn't want him? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I I really I, I think. Paul George, even if they, even if they hadn't backed off, you know, I don't know if if that would have changed Paul George's mind. It seemed, you know, fairly quick that Paul George has made his mind up about what he was going to do, and you know, there were question marks all summer long before the free agency period started as to what Paul George would do, and most people assumed he'd go to L.A. Um, you know, I don't think they necessarily backed off. I, I think when you have a guy like LeBron James, you know, uh, seemingly wanting to take a meeting and uh, having L.A. high on his board, um, presumably, uh, you have to look at him first. Um, sorry, Paul George, but LeBron is, <laughs> yeah. you know, 10 times more marketable, uh, you know, a better player. Um, someone who can recruit other guys as well. So I don't necessarily think it's it, – it, 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 I don't think it should be assumed that just because they backed off of Paul George that they didn't get him. Uh, could they have done so where that could have happened? Yeah, sure. I, I just don't see that necessarily. I, I think this was a done deal between Oklahoma City and Paul George um, before the free agency period even started. And I think the the rumors and buzz were out there because of what he had said last year we kind of forget like before the season ended with Oklahoma city, Paul George said, I'd like to be here. You know, he didn't say it with tons of confidence, but mm-hmm. he did say it. And to, if you're a player and you say anything of the semblance of that at the end of the season and you move or leave, I don't know. There's a lot of backlash that comes with that. So, um, you know, I, I props to Oklahoma city. I think uh, they just did a really, really good job of recruiting them all year long. Fans showed up in numbers. Um, you know, Russ obviously found a way to work out a relationship with a player uh, who's also ball dominant because we didn't know if that was necessarily going to happen. Um, I give a lot of credit to Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook, that organization, Sam Presti for taking the gamble and making it happen. So apparently people do like playing with Russell Westbrook because at times this oh. season, NBA Twitter liked to push the narrative. Fred likes Fred and I like talking about narratives that are built, right, whether they're <laughs> whether they're fake or real. The narrative around Russell Westbrook, uh, specifically in the playoffs uh, where they had a disappointing exit, was that nobody wanted to play with him. And I think this, this, I think this, this is a case in point that maybe, listen, if Kevin Durant didn't want to play with Russell Westbrook, that's fine. But that doesn't mean nobody wants to play with Russell Westbrook because Oak, at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook had a huge impact on Paul George staying and obviously now inevitably shipping Carmelo Anthony to the moon. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think about just like playing pickup with certain guys. Yeah. Uh, I know this is a crazy kind of analogy, but like when you're playing pickup with players who are like fiery and competitive and just want to do whatever it takes, like they're diving for loose balls. Uh, I think it, it really changes your tone and attitude of what's going on. Um, now, I'm not saying the NBA is pickup and I'm not saying uh, Russell Westbrook is playing pickup basketball or anything of the sort. But I do think that there is just um, 
there's some fun in having that guy on your team. Yeah. And I don't think Paul George ever really had that. Uh, on top of it, you know, I, I, you can just clearly tell that Russ and PG have a really good relationship off the court too. You know, they care about each other. They, whatever they do off the court together, uh, it just looks like they have a very, uh, a mutual understanding about what their relationship is and what it should be. And, um, you know, in the NBA, I think the, the most underrated or undervalued aspect of the league and having a team that wins a ton of basketball games um, is continuity is, you know, those friendships off the court, the relationships off the court uh, is the honesty and trust there. Uh, I, I remember NBA Twitter coming out and saying, why is Draymond Green yelling at Kevin Durant? Like, this is not right. Like what, what is going on? There's major problems. Quite frankly, that's, that's because both of those guys have trust within each other that they can do that to each other and nothing's going to come of it. Um, and I think people read into a lot of those things the wrong way. Uh, and I think that's similar in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. I think there's players that could be turned off by the way that he treats others um, or cares about the game so much when others may not. Uh, but I think there's guys like Paul George that clearly want to win, that want to try and do the best that they possibly can to be the best players that they can be and feel like Russell Westbrook is only doing what's best for that. So, you know, whether or not he jacks up 30 shots a night or uh, doesn't pass the ball or, you know, is, is ball dominant, ISO dominant, whatever we want to say, inefficient from the outside, um, there's still that relational aspect that that's involved. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people took that for granted or um, just really undervalued that in the, in the George decision and, and what came of it. For sure. And I think the, this is a side note, but I think it's, it's very interesting that NBA Twitter and Twitter in general has figured out a way to criticize somebody for giving their all. Like it truly, it, it, it baffles me that Westbrook <laughs> gets the amount of negative attention he gets because he literally just plays at 110% all the time. It's a, honestly, it's amazing to me that we figured out a way to criticize a guy for trying really well, hard. Well, I think that people just criticize somebody the second something happens in that's negative yeah and then when something happens it's positive they go back and try to determine whether that this person is actually good or bad i Wait, think twitter overreacts no no, no. they yeah they yeah. overreact and they react specifically nba <laughs> twitter with recency bias is the ultimate more than any other sport yeah nba twitter is the reason what what is the raptors thought process with this Kawhi thing do they really think they could convince him to play? Because if they could convince him to stay, that would be great for my feed. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, is he going to play? He's definitely going to play this year, right? One dude he kind of has to. Yeah, you one can't... dude said they got him for trade base. Yeah, I mean. Uh, they're not going to give up somebody, their best player, to get trade bait. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm, still, uh, I'm still confused about the trade. Uh, <laughs> there's, there, I, I just – I don't understand the logic of making two players that unhappy superstar play for a time where both superstars leaving their teams are unhappy um, that unhappy too. Uh, it's just like, I, we don't really know what Kawhi Leonard's thinking. We just hear from his quote unquote camp, what we hear. And I, I just don't know what he's thinking. Um, I don't, I don't really understand the point for Toronto's end of things. I, 
I guess I get it from the standpoint of, yes, if you're going to go for the gusto, go for the gusto. Like, this, this honestly, the only, uh, the only true idea or answer that I can come up with is that Ujiri's job is on the line. And while Toronto's won 50-plus games three-plus seasons in a row, they've been a top Eastern Conference team, they've failed miserably in the playoffs. Um, is that because of LeBron? Maybe they, they didn't give it to me. They didn't give it a true go after LeBron is out of the Eastern conference that they, they may have had a shot, you know, this year with the Rosen. Um, but I think the Kawhi Leonard trade gives them if Kawhi Leonard plays, if he's happy, if everything goes well, uh, they get one year of a player that's potentially better than DeMar DeRozan. Um, Barring the fact that there's team continuity and everybody likes him and, you know, there's a bunch of other things that are involved rather than just plug and play. I love NBA Twitter saying this is a great deal for the Raptors because they get Kawhi Leonard for a year. That's great. Like in a vacuum, if you just put it on paper, Kawhi Leonard's a better player than DeMar DeRozan. Sure. Whatever you want to say. But they still have to play the game of basketball for 82 games. And we have to see how this team reacts to a new coach and now a new star player. Uh, I just, there's a lot of unknowns there. And to me, if you're a 50 plus win team, I've said this a million times and people can disagree with it, but if you're a 50 plus win team year in and year out and you give yourself home court advantage every single season, uh, you don't blow that up in my mind. Uh, I don't care how long you continually fail in the playoffs. You're bound to hit some luck at some point in time. Um, you know, at a certain point, obviously, you, you want to look elsewhere. But I think this year specifically, the, th- the thing that's hampered their success most of all is, is LeBron and the Cavaliers. For sure. That's not there anymore. And instead of trying to run it back one more year, they said, all right, flush it down the toilet. Let's try with Kawhi Leonard. Let's see what happens. And like I said, this to me, the only real answer is that Uziri's job is on the line. And he's got some pressure and expectations that maybe – he doesn't think he can fulfill with the players that that roster currently had. So um, some something that you said, like I, I'm interested in the truth coming out in this situation, right? Because I'm I am intrigued by the Spurs side of things. I'm intrigued in the Kawhi side of things. Um, and I think what what you said earlier is like we haven't heard anything from actually from Kawhi, right? Like we're just hearing secondary news from his camp. Do you think he's potentially getting some bad advice here? Because I think this is now, I mean, within a half hour of him being traded, we have three major NBA reporters reporting that Kawhi doesn't even want to play in Toronto. I just, it's it, at some point is this, is this prima donna kind of attitude that he's now being built up into, is that going to backfire on him? Because I think now people are kind of getting tired of it, right? Like it's like, okay, it's one thing if you don't want to play for one organization, okay, you got traded. Now you don't want to play for this organization. Are you only going to play if you play for the Lakers? Like, I, I think it's it, it's become kind of he's turning into a prima donna, at least from the outside looking in. Oh, without a question, especially when you know he only has a year left on his contract. Like, what you have the freedom to do whatever you want after this year. Yeah. Just play out the year. Um, I think it's a really bad PR move. Uh, I think – it's going to be really interesting to see how he's treated by Toronto because Toronto have like one of the best fan bases in the NBA, but they're also very critical. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, like, if he doesn't play in the first, like, couple of games or if he refuses to play, sits out, whatever the case may be, if that really truly does happen, not only is he getting fined by the team and that seems like just a negative impact no matter what, but I think the fan base could turn on him pretty quickly. Um, Not only him, but just, like, the team overall, uh, the front office, um, because, like I said, I think you're playing with fire when you trade a player – uh, who historically has been good for you, uh, has done, has been by your side the entire time, signed a long-term agreement, was told that he was staying just a few days before he was traded. And everybody says this, you know, there's all sorts of players out there that get told, yes, you're going to stay, we love you, but, and then they get traded a couple days later. It's just star players, typically, that, that doesn't actually happen as often. Um specifically in a scenario like this where DeMar's been there for what, six seasons or whatever um, has been there for a long time, gone through the bad, the good, the ugly, whatever. Uh, It just seems like they're playing with a lot of fire here. And I, I don't know what the ending ends up being. Hopefully Kawhi plays just for the sake of his own persona. And, you know, like I said, the pre prima Donna kind of stuff that's coming out now is just, it feels bad. It all, it all felt really gross when I was up at two in the morning hearing about this trade. I'm just sitting here like, Oh boy, this like, this isn't going to end well for either side. Is it, this is going to be the end of the Raptors and the Spurs. You know, I think the Spurs made out well. Uh, I think a lot of people are critical of what they did, but I I like it. Uh, You get a score in this league that you know is going to put up 20 plus, um, you get a guy that you can build around offensively. And I'm really interested to see how they make it work. But I just, in pop, I trust. Like, last year was the only year they hadn't won 50 games and I don't know how long. Um, and it just seems like, you know, that's an organization that just, for the most part, gets it aside from this Kawhi situation. Are, are the Pelicans going to beat the Warriors in the playoffs this year? Don't do this to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what? <laughs> You know what? People can bash me all I want. I'm reactionary, just like Twitter. Um, you know, I really felt like that was, the, you know, the Warriors looked very vulnerable. And then they, the reports come out that Steph Curry won't play in the second round. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, Drew Holiday on Clay Thompson isn't necessarily going to fly nine times out of ten. I, I had some logic behind it, but... You know, once Curry started playing, and I'm not going to blame anything. There's no excuses here. It was a terrible <laughs> take. That's what it is. No, no, take. no. To be fair is allowed, but listen, uh, we all have some uh, bad takes along the way. Oh, I've think, had quite a few. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, we're all kind of like we're all looking for a reason for the Warriors to lose. Like I think I, I've seen so many takes where it's like you kind of you slowly start talking yourself into like, yeah, this could happen, right? Like this could happen. This makes sense. And then you're like, yeah, it does make sense. And then you go with it. And then hindsight, you're like. Yeah, no, that never really made sense, but I definitely talked myself into that one. So you think that they, they, there's a, this is the best chance they have of losing because ev- because it, it was the ultimate. Whenever there's a lot of backlash and so much positivity towards a specific team doing something, and so much uh, people with so much confidence that the team's going to yes. do well, then it, that somehow something happens where they don't. That's how but, I felt. Uh, I think all season long, that's, I mean, I had very early takes that I just didn't think the Warriors would make the finals. I, I thought Houston, uh, 
just knowing that organization, knowing what they did to put the pieces in place, uh, I thought they'd bounce them. Um, and obviously a Chris Paul injury, we don't know what ends up happening, but, uh, you know, it just felt like everybody was on their boat to begin with. And at some point in time, you win so many championships that they just, they don't mean as much. Um, and there, there's going to be a point in time where they lose. Uh, it's going to happen, you know, and injuries, they've been pretty good as far as the injury bug has been concerned. Like in the finals, they've, pretty much been healthy Steph outside of that one season uh Draymond getting suspended you know there's a couple of things that are unfortunate on their side but at the same time they've had they've had some really good success with injuries with just putting the pieces together in the right time in the right moment they flipped the switch on it feels like every season now like for the past two years they struggle at the end uh, end of the regular season, they put some, you know, substitutes in, bench guys, role players, give them more minutes, and they just look vulnerable. And you sit there and say to yourselves, like, how many times can they just flip the switch and it's just going to work every time? And the Houston Rockets were, man, they were within striking distance of getting them this season. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's what it is. You just you have to think at some point the Warriors dynasty is going to come to an end. It's just a matter of when that ends up happening. And I, I don't know if I'll ever take a team over the Warriors again, because I just, <laughs> I can't keep trying to assume that this is going to happen. Like they just, they're the, besides the Cavaliers, they're the ultimate team that just flips that switch. And it was like every season, it just feels like, there's a chance and they take it away from us. <laughs> it's very, it's very Patriots esque, right? Yes. Because we, the NFL community does the same thing. Like this is the year that Brady's going to slow down. This is the year that the Patriots aren't going to do it. Like this team's kind of like getting better and like, they're going to have a shot, right? Like it's, it's Patriots esque. And this is what happens when teams are good for a long period of time. Everybody outside of the community that is the team in Boston, or in this case, San Francisco gets sick of that team winning. Right. So now everybody else is looking for a reason for that team to lose. And in this case, with Golden State, it was, you know, Houston's a a Chris Paul injury away from, I think, in my mind, probably bouncing that team. But now we look ahead with the addition of DeMarcus Cousins. Is this and and the whole narrative back to that word narrative that the Warriors are ruining the NBA? Are the Warriors actually ruining the NBA? Because my argument with people before the boogie stuff was they had pretty much – they drafted that team, right? They drafted Steph. They drafted Draymond. They drafted Clay, And then they added Kevin Durant. Now, I understand it's ridiculous to add the second-best player in the league in free agency, but that was his choice. Um, so the question remains, are the Warriors ruining the NBA or are we overreacting like usual considering the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers, and plenty of other franchises have done this over longer periods of time than the Warriors have? No, they're not ruining the NBA at all. I, I've always thought, like, if this is the way you win championships, it's a pretty good way to win championships. Like yeah. this is, this is, you know, uh, like you said, they drafted basically everybody. Um, once you get good like that, players want to go to you, no matter where you are, like the NFL, the same thing. Everybody wants to go to the Patriots, right? The vets yep. will take vet minimums. They'll play for them for a season. They'll get their Super Bowl ring and they'll ride off into the sunset. And actually I like those stories quite, quite, quite honestly. Uh, 
you know, looking at guys like JaVale McGee, who, who's bounced around the league and hasn't had the best of times, getting a ring with the Warriors is pretty cool. Nick Young, same thing. Like, these guys have been in the league for a long time. Uh, they deserve their, you know, last hurrah or whatever. Um, they deserve the chance at getting a title. And I, I think it creates a better league. Uh, there are players out there, you know, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, who are against this whole idea of creating a super team or the notion of that in a sense, they want to be able to be the ones that beat the Warriors. And historically speaking, the team that beats the dynasty goes down in history as that team. Um, And I think there's a lot of players who want to be in the record books for that reason. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who have a chip on their shoulder continually because of that. I think LeBron has that. Uh, I think LeBron wants to beat this team just as bad as anybody does. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch the next couple of seasons to see where this team ends up and who actually does knock them off. Um, Cause I do think it's, it's still a viable thing. They lose, they lost a couple of players this off season. People aren't even talking about it. You know, JaVale McGee um, who people can just act like he's just another bench player. You can fill him in with whoever you want, but there, there's, like I said, this isn't done on paper. Like just because Boogie Cousins is a great player doesn't mean he's going to come back from this Achilles injury and be just like the same Boogie that we all know and remember on top of that, working him into this kind of system or this offense is going to be really interesting to watch no matter what it ends up being, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Uh, So I think there's intriguing narratives and storylines throughout this Warriors team and what comes of it. Um, I don't think they're ruining the NBA at all. I, I think it's good for the league. I think it pushes every team to be better. Um, you saw what Daryl Morey did last year. He said that the entire reason of that is to beat the Warriors. And he wants to be the guy to do it. Um, and I applaud teams for going out and doing what they can to make their teams better, to make their teams competitive against this, you know, all-time historically great team. For sure. Uh, but, but we just can't – We you can't fault a team for – grabbing guys who want to go there, you know, giving them an option, giving them a meeting. I mean, let's, if we're going to, we're going to blame anybody, let's blame the other 29 GMs in the league that said, (laughs) oh no, I don't need Boogie Cousins on the mid-level exception. I don't want to offer him anything because he's a bad locker room guy. That's their fault. You know, the Warriors, as much as people say like, oh, he definitely had other offers. He had interest, but there's a difference between interest and an offer. Like the Warriors just flat out, put their cards on the table and said, here, we have a mid-level exception. If you want it, take it. If not, leave. And he took it because there wasn't another quote-unquote offer on the table. Now, did he get offered stuff before the season ended with the Pelicans? Sure. But I think if I was a player and I was betting on myself, uh, I wouldn't take a deal before the season before the season was up. I'd wait until the offseason too because teams typically are desperate at this time. Um, so – I think it's really good for the league. Uh, I'm definitely different from most people, but uh, I I think it's very, very healthy for the league to have this kind of, um, you know, dynasty powerhouse, whatever you want to call it, uh, that players want to beat. For sure. I think think the, the funny thing for me here is, like, obviously, you know this, like, I'm a Bulls fan, right? So I envision, I'm like, you guys realize, like, 
MJ won like six titles in eight years. Like the Warriors are just at three now. Like they they've won a lot, but they're they still got a way to go. Like they could win three more. Like or they could not win anymore. Right? Like they're yes, they've won three titles, but they also lost in a finals already. So for me, I'm like, this is what the NBA is. Like the Celtics for decades, the Lakers, the Bulls. Like this is what happens in the NBA, with the exception of. You know, I, I don't remember what the statistic was, but it's like over the last 50 years, it's basically been the Bulls, the Lakers, the Celtics, and then like five other teams that have won championships. Like, it's not like every other year somebody different is winning championships. This is what the NBA has always been. And I think people have just, I think people just forgot. Yeah, it's, t- I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see how many people just hate the idea that Kevin Durant joined the team and, you know, all this other stuff. I, I really can't, <laughs> maybe his legacy isn't the same, but like, I really can't blame him at all. No. And I think he's the, the, the contrasting thing here for me. That's all that's I like to follow is that LeBron did not like being the villain, right? The first year that he played in Miami mentally, he could not handle being not liked. He did not like being that guy. Whereas Kevin Durant, has embraced being this villainous person, um, which I think is so interesting to me because I think it's good. Sports is entertainment, right? So it's good to have heroes and villains. And I think it's great to have Kevin Durant in this role. And it's great for the NBA because at the end of the day, people are hating on him, but they are watching him. And people are watching the NBA and consuming the NBA more so than ever before. And I don't think that's why I agree with you. I don't think the Warriors are ruining the NBA at all because People can bitch and moan all they want, but at the end of the day, everybody's gonna be watching next year. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's gonna be everybody's gonna be on Twitter talking about the game, watching the games, watching the finals, watching the playoffs, because we don't know. Yes, we can say right now the Warriors are gonna win the title, but they got a long way to go before they get there. And I'm intrigued to see how DeMarcus Cousins fits in there because I think it's uh I think it could be I think it could be to their detriment. So I'm 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 cl- I'm paying close attention to that situation and he might not even be able to play before the playoffs anyways. So there's there's also that. Like he's not going to be he's coming off an Achilles injury. We don't even know what type of player he's going to be. Yeah, there's there's so many question marks surrounding that injury, especially with a big man. We've just never seen it really pan out the way people have assumed it would you know you look at guys like Wesley Matthews who suffered his Achilles injury he's a smaller guy too like this isn't a big man and he still hasn't been the same um you know you go back obviously Elton Brand other guys that have suffered the same injury and it's just it's bleak the future is not great and that's why he didn't have offers on the table uh and that's that's part of the reason why at least yeah but uh, yeah it adds intrigue I, I think like I said they they've already had kind of uh, just a shortened bench. They, they really haven't been able to utilize a lot of the guys that they've signed or picked up or whatever as often as people maybe thought or assumed. And I think that could be to their detriment. I, I do think that that's coming at some point, even in the playoffs, when you play guys 35 minutes a night, um, you're just more at risk for injuries. That's why I said the injury bug, like it's, it's going to come back and bite them at some point. Steph is going to have more injuries you know, Clay has been virtually healthy his entire career. Um, you look at Draymond too, same thing. At some point, these guys are going to have injuries that keep them out. And that's when we'll see this true kind of team come out. And I, I you know, it depends on the injury. It depends on the situation. I don't hope for any injuries by any means, but 
I, I think it's bound to happen at some point if you're a dynasty like this, relying so heavily on these three or four guys, uh, at some point it's going to come back to bite you. I agree. I agree. Fred, you got anything? Uh, you got anything more you want to ask Oliver? Yeah. Uh, Oliver, what do you think of the Houston Rockets this year? Because I know that you, it was the past two years you had them winning the title. No, just this past season I had them winning uh, the title. Uh, yeah. I don't think I had it last. So the year before, so I'll actually explain this. People <laughs> say I'm like a bandwagon Rockets fan. No, I'm not. I, I thought you were from Houston. No, that's crazy. I've gotten a lot of that. And then I also get people who are like, oh, you're a Trailblazer fan. I'm like, I almost never mention the Trailblazers, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but when you look at what the Rockets have accomplished, I, I was kind of there when Mike D'Antoni was hired. And uh, people were criticizing James Harden and how that relationship was managed with Dwight Howard and how you know Mike D'Antoni, this guy coming from the Lakers and the Knicks who just – has flamed out and has done a terrible job, you know, managing egos is going to manage this. And I was kind of, I did a story on James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, um, just kind of the relationship they had uh, that first season. And it was before the season even started and talked to Daryl Morey and a bunch of other people. And, you know, I just came to the conclusion that this team is going to be really good. Like James Harden's going to be an MVP candidate. This team's going to be really good. And people blasted me for it and just, like, thought, like, this is outrageous. Patrick Beverly, in the story, he says, James Harden's going to be MVP. We're going to go to the finals. And that was that first year, which they didn't do. But um, people blasted him for the same thing. And, you know, you look at what he put together. I mean, he could have arguably been the MVP two seasons ago and then last season. And now this season he finally gets it. Um, but I just trust the system that Mike D'Antoni's put in place. Uh, he did a really good job of like bringing James Harden along as, as a person, as a player, um, getting him to a maturity level that makes sense. And I, I love what, uh, you know, I love what they've done, especially last off season, this off season, obviously they lost a couple of key pieces. I still think this team is going to be really, really tough to beat. And Daryl Morey, I just, every time somebody questions him, uh, you know, last offseason, the offseason before, letting Dwight Howard walk, et cetera. Um, he always seems to get it right. And I'm one of those people, like, if if there's somebody who gets doubted so many times and proves people wrong so many times that I just – I can't go against them uh, until they prove me otherwise. And so he's one of those guys that I just trust. Uh, whatever he does, however he manages – to deal with whatever comes up, you know, the Ariza loss and then them signing Michael Carter Williams out of the blue. And yes, that is a very questionable decision, but uh, I just, I can't question it until there's actually a situation where you can say, Oh yeah, this wasn't a great signing. So um, for me, I'm just very high on the Rockets because of their, the way that they've managed their organization, the way that they've gone about their business the past three seasons or so. Um, obviously being close with them, I have a little bit more insight into some things at times. So I feel more confident with those picks and things of that nature. Um, but I, I, like I said, I, I still feel very highly about that team. And I think people that are discounting them for losing Ariza and Luke and Baumute are looking at their history and their past and putting it to what they're, where they're at right now. I still think Chris Paul has another level that they can go to. 
um, people forget Chris Paul was just implemented into the system, like right out the gates and James Harden and him played almost, I mean, as close as you can to perfect uh, as a backcourt against the Warriors, against other teams in the playoffs. Um, so I think there's another level there. Uh, and like I said, I, I think that Mike D'Antoni is one of the best coaches in the leagues. He just knows how to manage guys, get the most out of them. And he's kind of an innovator. You know, he, he constructed those Phoenix Suns teams. He's always zigging when other people are zagging. Uh, that's the same with Daryl Morey. And I just like those types of people. Uh, I think that it's smart. And if it doesn't work, so be it. But uh, I'm going to stick with that uh, that team as kind of the second seed in the Western Conference until they're proven otherwise. Oliver, I have one last question for you. Uh, I, because now you've uh, talked about your Houston fandom, or uh, at least what everybody thinks is a Houston fandom, <laughs> I want to know – I want to know who is your who in your mind who do you enjoy watching play the game the most? Not who's the best player, who Oliver Maroney, who's the most enjoyable player for you to watch personally in the NBA? Ooh, it's tough. That's a really tough question. Um, it's it. I, I guess I could list a few guys. I don't. I don't really have one in particular that I like watching over the rest. Um, I'll name a few guys that I really enjoy watching, and it's not what you probably would think Patrick okay. Beverly's Patrick Beverly's one guy that I really enjoy watching. Uh, just, he, he always has some antics with his game. Yeah. Talking smack, whatever, getting into people's grill. I love the game against Lonzo that he played. Uh, <laughs> he was just like totally all over him. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to watch that sort of basketball and it's, you just don't see it very often. Like you just, it's that old school style. I appreciate it. You know, sometimes I like isolation play. Jason Tatum is a really fun guy to watch. Um, Donovan Mitchell, love him. Love what he brings to the table. Um, I would probably say if there was like, man, if there was one in particular guy that I really enjoy watching. Oh, man, that's such a tough question. Um <laughs> That's why I I'm asked it. I gotta, at, I gotta put I know, it on that's spot. a really good question. I just, I, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, CJ McCollum has been a guy that I really enjoy watching just because he's crafty. He's got, like, you know, ball handle skill. You know, I'd probably say Kyrie. I, I think Kyrie, when he's healthy, is probably the most enjoyable player that you can watch. Uh, just his handle, his moves, his skill. It's really, really enjoyable to watch when he's on his game and just making buckets uh, or getting buckets making buckets geez what am i uh <laughs> you know he just has a game that's just really fun to watch I, I enjoy it uh russell westbrook is a guy that um it's interesting i don't really enjoy watching him a lot uh and maybe i'm being hypocritical because you know Kyrie sometimes plays the same way donovan mitchell sometimes plays the same way i love the guys that have fiery nature and energy and just like that can get up and down the court and just grind it out kind of mentality. Um, but for whatever reason, Russell Westbrook, it just seems like every game, it's the same sort of style and summary. Like there isn't, you know, that he's going to grab the rebound and dribble up the court. You know that that's going to happen nine times out of 10 times. <laughs> it's, it's so readable uh, assumed, I guess you could say that it's just not as fun for me to watch. Um, right. I've gotten used to it. Uh, so maybe we're just, yeah, maybe I'm just 
I'm treated with it so often that it just is not is like a normal play at this point in time, and I just don't see it as maybe other basketball fans would. But um, yeah, I, I'd probably say Kyrie Irving, and I'm kind of surprised that I just said that. But that's fun. I like I like Kyrie. That's a good. I think that's a good answer. And uh, love Patrick Beverly because he's a Chicago boy, and he uh, that old school like kind of trash talk comes from playing uh, street ball in Chicago. Is yeah, that, there's like there's like that's nobody the way in the they play. That does that. Yeah, like, I I just I want more of that. Honestly, yeah. it's it's good for the league. They need a little. The, the league could use a little toughness. Yes. <laughs> the league could use a little toughness. Uh, Fred, you got anything else? Otherwise, I'll I'll wrap up with Oliver. No, that's good. I think that you've done uh, everything you needed to do, Oliver. Yeah, you're you're uh, Oliver. You even you you know Fred's got to bring up the cold takes. So you, you, you <laughs> I, I remembered those off the top of my head. That's good. That's that's good. pretty good. Yeah, no. I've been tagged way too many times in the cold take. I, Fred, <laughs> I have to say, I I really really think that it's ingenious what you've done with the Twitter and just like <laughs> honestly, you deserve like a medal or something. Like Twitter Sports should be giving you some sort of plaque or something because. <laughs> No, I'm. You can't I'm, say I'm, anything without the whole army tagging me. Yeah, uh, that's why media people no, hate me the most. I think. I oh think yeah. That's what and people. Ha- oh, yeah. That's what I think people hate about me the most out of any of it. Not even just getting hit once with the cold take. It's the making the prediction and getting tagged constantly, uh, <laughs> and the replies having me t- be tagged. Oh, frankly, oh, yeah. I mean, I I wish I could get tagged once and then nobody would ever get notified the rest of the time. Because I get the same ones, yeah, constantly. Uh, but uh, I have to mute the conversation on the tweet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I get tagged to everything. Everything. It's great. It's so fun to like. Honestly, I love it. I will bask in it when I lose. And <laughs> I am not right. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I've probably been wrong more times than I have been right. But when I've been right, you've also given me credit. So yeah. I feel better. And you know what? I think the last time I was actually right on something was not a sport I even cover, which was the Eagles winning the Super Bowl before uh, the playoffs even started. Look at you. So, look at you stepping out. Into it's usually how it works. That's why I get my mom or my wife will win the uh, NCAA tournament pool and they don't even watch college basketball. That's, that's, how, it, yeah. that's how it works. That's how, that's how it works. How it works. Yeah, yep. I love Oliver. I love the uh, you have the right attitude, right? It's the attitude I uh, when when people are hating on Fred, I usually come at him like, "Listen, I'm Fred's friend, and he gets me." Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, like nobody's safe, and you just gotta enjoy it. Like, you just, listen, I was wrong. I embraced my take. It was bad. Like I had Fred pulled out some old Mark Trestman stuff as a Bears fan that oh, I was mortified. Yeah. I'm a Bears was, fan too, by the way. Yeah. That's oh, one look at that. commonality there. Got a, got a bond over our sadness as Bears fans. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, Fred pulled out some good uh, John Fox ones, some Mark Tressman ones that I, like, I don't even remember saying it, right? Like, that's the best part of the old take stuff. Is oh, like, yeah. I look at it and I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I ever actually said that. Like, I typed <laughs> that out and I click send. Like, what was I thinking? Yes. What was going through my mind at that time? So actually, uh, I appreciate, I, I love that you love fred's feed because it's the best and it's so fun so fred we're boosting your confidence at the end of the podcast this is great this is what we needed we needed oliver here to uh to to boost the old takes confidence please keep doing it please (laughs) i really think you need like a patreon or one of those things you know like it 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 should be really heralded that you've done a very good job at captivating an audience on twitter and doing it 
I, I think it just adds more fun to it. Like, I really feel like people have, at least in the past year, NBA, Twitter, everything on Twitter really has just gotten more serious. And yeah. the only thing I really can appreciate is a freezing cold takes reply. <laughs> or a um, I love that. Because love at least that. you just get to bask in what, yeah, like you said, whatever you were thinking at the time. You know, yeah, that's that's it's good. It's really Twitter good. was made. Twitter was made to to have fun, and I think we've lost sight of that a little bit. So that's why I love the old take stuff because it's it's meant to be like it's meant to be fun. And when people take it, capital J journalists take it way too seriously. <laughs> oh my I'm like y'all. Don't get me started. No. Y'all need to y'all need to calm down. But maybe we'll do a podcast about capital J journalists at one time. Oliver, uh, how can everybody follow you on Twitter and and read your stuff, watch your stuff, and, and see what you're doing with the Big Three? Yeah. So uh, at at the Big Three, they usually tweet out the show that we do. It's a weekly show. Usually interview a player or two or commentator or two. I think the last one we had was Michael Rappaport. Um, we'll have a few more coming up and. Uh, you can follow my stuff at Omaroni MBA on Twitter and um, at the big three for everything else basically that I do. So yeah. Yeah. Check me out there. Cool. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. I know we will uh, love to have you back when uh, NBA season starts to starts to get going again. And there's uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, I would say more fortunately, there's so much going on in the off season that it's like almost like the, I'm not necessarily like needing the season to come here now because there's been so much drama and so many changes that I, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm good to go until, until the season actually starts. So we'll have football here soon enough as well. Fred, uh, how can everybody follow you? They know at old takes exposed, but make sure to give them your Instagram and your Facebook. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram at freezing cold takes and Facebook freezing cold takes. I mean, they're both very lit. <laughs> As the kids would say, uh, boy, because, oh I, my God. I am certainly not one to say that word because I sound the exact same as you. <laughs> I do it on purpose, kind of sound, but oh, I like to so do it good. in front of my. I like to do it in front of my kids and tell them I'm going to do it in front of their friends. Oh, oh I love it! I love embarrassing, embarrassing basket, <laughs> just, just yes. all the way. All the fire emojis uh, and all the litness. Oliver, thanks for joining us. And everybody be sure to check him out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and anywhere else that you can find him. Thanks, guys.